podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to the fourth instalment of the Trinity B-Side, where on this episode... The focus is solely on Everton in the community and yet again, second time in, in our history we're on location at the, and this time it's at the uh, Everton in the community hub and we've got a guest on who's, who's a bit of a celebrity actually because um, he's been on my television, on the Everton website and also rubbing shoulders with royalty in the last few weeks. And that's Dave Curtis. Dave, thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you very much for having me, boys. It was difficult to get you on, to be honest, because I was going through your agents. <laughs> and he was being a little bit funny. You know, we were trying to find the window, but I do appreciate you moving a few things around. So it's come on today. But on that point, just, just let's just jump in there. Prince William was here, wasn't he, a few weeks ago? Yeah. Um, obviously, for a really worthwhile cause. Um, obviously, I'm having a bit of a laugh and a joke that you rub shoulders with him. But what what was that like? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. So he he, he was obviously going around, you know, different clubs. So he he, he visited uh, West Brom uh, a couple of months before, and it was it was after he launched the the Heads Up campaign. Um, and uh, well, after he'd launched it, uh, Evan and community sort of you know got onto his his sort of team and said, you know, we'd love to show you. Or showcase what we do here at Evan at Community, you know, because we've run uh, mental health programs for the last ten years, um, and under our uh, health and wellbeing team, we've run like t- I think it's around twenty different programs, and a lot of them are mental health programs. Um, so uh, they sent over the sort of list of projects um, that support people, uh, you know, around their mental health, and they chose three of them. So and my one was one of them. So as soon as they got, as soon as I got told, it was like, oh my god, it was, it was just like, you know, because I'm ex forces as well, so I'm very patriotic and stuff, and um, you know, and the people have their opinions on, you know, what do the royal family do and stuff like that. But like, you know, he's just, he's just such a, an amazing person on on what he's and he, you know, and we were just talking before we come on, and he, you know, he's he's carried on his his mum's work and stuff like that. Um, and he's just so grounded. It's like, is it, whatever people think about like meeting someone from the royal family, it's just not that at all. It's mm-hmm. just like down to earth. He's just like, and especially in being ex forces himself, it was it was just like being sitting with one of the lads. And I mean, obviously, from our side, from the outside looking in, when obviously it was it was quite highly publicised before yeah. um, he, he came down. And he was coming down, but what what a, what a fantastic advert for the work that you do and everything in the community. You do have someone like that down on the on these premises oh yeah it's amazing it's amazing and you know such a high caliber you know person in the country you know the future king of england you know this is someone that mm-hmm. we're gonna be calling king in a mm-hmm. you know in the, in the not so distant future um so it's just yeah it's amazing for the charity and for his organization as well you know especially for the for the campaign and to show you know because as we're here today we're doing the b-side of your podcast which is you know all about the other side of football where it's it's more than the football um, and that just shows you that you know just the, uh, the stuff that went out on the website and obviously the interviews that you would have seen on the news and stuff like that it just shows how important it is for um, this work to be happening in the community mm-hmm. well, yeah, and you, you mentioned there obviously that you you are ex-forces so obviously you are where you are now in terms of working with everything in the community can you give 
us and the listeners a bit of, ba- of background in terms of your your work with the forces. Yeah, how, yeah. How that all started and what have you? Yeah, so I, yeah, I can sort of do my journey if you like. Um, so so straight from a, a, an early age, I always wanted to be in the wanted to be in the forces. You know, you like every little boy. You know, you're going to be you know. F- after professional footballer, you know, <laughs> which obviously was never going to work. Out. That was early doors, yeah. Early doors, yeah. That's that's that one out. <laughs> you know, firemen, policemen, and stuff. All all these sort of people that you that you look up to, don't you? When you're younger, um, you know, I, I'm nearly thirty four now. So you know, back when I was younger, it was like I looked up to these to these people, especially the you know, especially the military. And I don't know what it was. It was like you know, the uniform and everyone being sort of together as one. Um, and I had a group of mates and they all joined the cadets and I was like I'll go down to cadets and it was like you know you got to fire this 2-2 rifle down a range 25 metre range and I got to go away on exercise and adventure training and stuff like that all around the country which was just amazing as a 12-13 years of age I was Mm and then after sort of after I left school it was a bit like ooh I don't know what to do don't know where I'm going I went to college, didn't do great in school to be fair, that's why I joined the army. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I sort of went on a bit of a journey of jumping job to job and having loads of jobs at the same time. So like at one point I had like four or five jobs at one at the same time, which was, which was stupid like, but yeah, so I was still in the cadets and then when I got to about 17, I left the cadets yeah, and I, I ended up doing like bar work uh, I worked in a bu- I worked in a butchers, uh, I worked in a strip club, <laughs> as a as a you know a DJ, um, and you know helping out on the bar and stuff. Um, Who say I was on the poles then? That's where. I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I was doing a bit of you know jumping job to job, and then uh, when I, I don't know what age was I? Probably about nineteen. I joined the TA because. I'm a bit of a I'm, I'm a home bird, you know, I'm a bit like a bit of a mummy's boy and stuff like that. And um it was just me, my mum and my sister, that's who who obviously live together. And uh so I was like, I wanna I wanna be in the forces, but I also wanna stay at home and stay close to my family as well. And then when I got to twenty one and I was just like, Oh, let's go for it. So there was nothing happening. I wasn't really I, yeah, I had the jobs and you know, I, I was um you know, I had meats and everything like that, do you know what I mean? So I had stuff to do, but I just thought, I'll just, just go for it. There's nothing happening. Qualifications were just, you know, we didn't have, <laughs> didn't have any at all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do great. Um, so, yeah, so I just went and signed on a dotted line, if you like. Uh, went and done my selection in Litchfield, which is in the Midlands. Two-day selection. And at the time, you know, 2007, it was sort of like... Um, they were recruiting massively, you know, for 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 the war sort of thing. Um, yeah, so two thousand seven joined up, and then I went to do my basic training in a place called Basenborn. Um, so have you seen the film Full Metal Jacket? I've seen it. Great. So film. that yeah. the place where they filmed that film is where I done my basic training. Right. Yeah, it's just um, near Cambridge, a place called Royston. Uh, went down there, done me done me twelve weeks, and if anybody's listening to infantry, I'm sorry, yeah. RLC is only twelve weeks, <laughs> so some lads get put through absolute hell. <laughs> and I, to be honest, it is it is it, it, you know if any of anybody watches that sort of um, you know who dares wins and, yeah, and stuff like that, you know he, he says it right is the you know they do stuff to sort of grind you down and then he and then he builds you straight back up, which is 
and it just makes you into this sort of I don't know, not like a not like a robot, but it, yeah, you could call it a robot. You know, you're a one body of one body of men moving in one direction all at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's like stripping very, your ego away, isn't it? A lot of people go into yeah. that with a big ego, sort of, and, and sort of alpha and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And a big and part of the show is that, and it is trying to get to the real core yeah. of what who the person is, mm-hmm. isn't it? Well, definitely, and and obviously, I'm not my training didn't even come close to what they come through, what they go through. To be fair, but you know, all the sort of it's that all the soft stuff is the same you know yeah, your, your yeah. confidence and your self esteem and everything like that and um, you know being there for each other and that's what I loved I loved the camaraderie and everything like that so yeah so joined on my basic training then I went to my regiment which was 10 QOGLR which is based in Aldershot uh, about an hour from London Aldershot an absolute pigsty by the way but you know that's where that's where I lived, and that yeah. was my family. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was that was my home, if you like. Uh, and straight away, me and me and a lot of my friends that went through basic training together, we were put straight onto a, an orbat, which is a list for Afghanistan. And it was like, oh my god, you know, this is amazing. This right. is this is it's what you join for. You know, you join to go to places like that. Uh, you know, is that, so, is that typical, Dave? That always someone would do the basic training and then that quickly be prepared for a tour. Well, at that time, because it's Afghanistan, you know, Afghanistan. So that, that was unique to that time, but that something like that wouldn't happen ordinarily. Uh, no, not, not all the time. It just depends what what is happening at the at, it's at like the Northern time. Ireland was a big thing back in the day as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and all the different, you know, because for some, for like you know, World War One, World War Two, it's literally you yeah. you join to go and do that, and then yeah. that's it. You know, especially yeah. like the likes of national service and stuff like that. You do your two years and you're gone. But when you, when I when I joined up, it was like I was signing up for twenty two years. That's yeah. where twenty two or you know now you can do a thing where you, it's called Veng where you add on two years. But I was joining for that. I was joining to to, to stay in the military for twenty two years. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be in this position that I am now. You know, I, I, I'm here, but um, you know stuff has obviously happened to to get me to this position. But I wanted to sign up for twenty two years. Um, so yeah, I got to and then we started doing all this training. It was like it was amazing training. So we um, we. Uh, we were going over as drivers, so they called us glorified taxi drivers. <laughs> we were going over, so we were, <laughs> so yeah. So after after a sort of, you're probably talking over a year, over a year's worth of training, starting from like you know little bit of training to like op, proper op, operational training and the stuff you have to sort of know to to survive while you're over there. You know, do you know what I mean? And you know, and it was we done loads of like cultural training, you know, so. Um, we were we were learning, uh, you know, little bits of the language and how not to offend them, and so so we went over there, and because it's all about hearts and minds as well, you know, yeah, we don't just want to go over there and start, you know, just speaking to people like the, the piece of crap on the floor because the majority of them aren't. It's the minority that are that are, that are the you know the worst people in the world, um, and you know, again, use of use of seeing it all on the news and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, so two thousand nine come and it was like right, we're going over to fit as a fiddle. Like, I don't look like a thirteen stone now, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, fit as a fiddle, and you know, I, you know, we were all ready. Not just me, we were all ready to to go over there, and we were all ready to sort of do our job. Yeah, do I know the exact reason we were over in Afghanistan? Probably not, but that was my job at the time, and. Um, all I was going to be doing is being a driver, but like just, God, sorry, going back to the training we were doing, like we were driving like 
armored Range Rovers and everything. It was just like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, when you get the opportunity, yeah, yeah. And we were driving like down the motorway, and we had like earpieces in, and we were all like, it was like sneaky stuff. It was, it was just Action amazing. Man. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was yeah. like, uh, it was like being a, uh, you know, when you watch films now, like the CIA and all that. You know, it was, it was just, it was boss. It was, it was just such British a military is renowned for being one of the best, isn't it? Oh yeah, you know I mean, yeah. In terms of training and everything, isn't it? Yeah, so they, they say like, you know, we are the. You know the the sort of all their soldier, if you know what I mean. Like we're, we're there, we've always got the kit, we've got all the idea in the world. And then when you look at some, you know, armies, it's like yeah, all the gear, no idea. Yanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, oh, again, you know, a minority of them might come yeah, across as being all like macho and. Yeah. Um, but like that, that, that some of them that we we obviously met while we were over there were just like lovely, lovely people. And yeah. Um, again, we're just there to do a job. But yeah, so we, we flew from a place called Bryce Norton uh, and we flew into a place called Dubai. <laughs> you know, we didn't fly into D- Dubai Airport. We flew just past them onto like this RAF base. So we like flew all over like the Palm and yeah, yeah. the, you know, the Burj Al Arab and all that. You can see all that as you're flying over and then you just f- land into this like <laughs> crappy bloody <laughs> um, air base. Uh, and yeah, we, we got off the flight and it was like, what? The heat? Yeah. Like, so this is this is August and he then, and then someone went oh by the way it's 47 degrees so we're all like that taking our body armour and helmets and all that off but um, oh, going back to the going back to the flight sorry uh, do it, me, me and me me and my friend he's out now he, he runs his own um, he runs his own business but uh, so I, I was emotional and he was emotional because this was like you know mm. we didn't know whether you were going to come back that's it you know these are some of the thoughts that are going around in your head and you've just left your family and stuff and we were like oh <laughs> and the flight in flight movie was Marley and me the worst <laughs> film we could have had on. so like by the end of the film by the end of the film obviously spoiler alert <laughs> um, me and me mate are like that holding each other like, oh, in bits <laughs> yeah in absolute bits because we're already going through all that and then you put that film on you're like oh my god but yeah so we landed in we landed in Dubai in this airbase uh, we got a little bit of a scran and then what we were doing was we transferred him from a, a civilian flight to a military flight and then we all jumped on a C-17 there must have been a couple of hundred of us and then we were flying into Camp Bastion then uh, flew into Camp Bastion stayed overnight um, you know walked around a little bit and I think it was just like I don't even know why we landed there to be fair but we were there for 24 hours and it's it's stuff that everybody has to do. Uh, we got a pizza hut. There's pizza hut on the on the camp in the in the desert. You're like what? <laughs> um, you know, it's like it's like a city, isn't it? Well, yeah. camp yeah. camp Bastion's massive, but yeah. I think um, it, there's a place called Kandahar, right. which is like it's set up by the by the Americans, which has got like a, a boardwalk of like shops and stuff like this, where you can get flat screen tellies and you're like, <laughs> we didn't go there, but um, yeah. but yeah, went and, and got a pizza hut, and I was like, what? And then we. Um, we waited till the next night, and then we flew into a place called Kabul, which is the capital capital city. Um, got off the flight, got on. This was like stupid o'clock in the morning, and then we drove and we got into our camp. They just like you know, just pick a bed anywhere we were sorted out in the morning, and then that was it. Then first thing the next morning, we were sort of into our. We were we were going to be doing a seven day handover takeover with the regiment that was there before seventeen Port Maritime. Um, a few of the lads we knew because we'd done a little bit of training with them and they were just sort of showing us the ropes so in that week we were doing training on the camp it was all like mortar training um, if, the, if the camp gets attacked all stuff like that uh, and then we were um, 
in between all that training we were going out and just getting a feel for the roads and because like just imagine Queen Drive with like 10 lanes on it <laughs> it was horrendous honest to god it was, and I was a driver and it was like oh but like your your job is to get from A to B in the safest way possible and the quickest way possible of your life um, so you heard story like the, the Americans so we were like, you know, ten to two driving down the roads and you know, just you know, minding our minding our business and just getting a feel for it. The Americans are like, big sirens on, get out the way, big massive, big muscle car. Oh yeah, big, 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 big trucks. But that's yeah. that's just the way they are. And we 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 met a gentleman called Sergeant C, and uh, and he was sort of like, the, if you were in if you were in front of him, you were in trouble. And he and he comes down and he and he he was giving us like a talk about the camp on how to act and how to, um, you know how to address people and stuff because the camp we were on was called HQ ISAF, and it was like forty two different nations based on that camp. So you don't know like, you know, in some countries like they might have the same amount as a pips on their sort of um, on their epler. Yeah. <laughs> but it might not be the same rank as what it is in the UK and stuff like that. So you could be calling someone a captain, but they're actually a kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to le- we had to learn all stuff like that. And on that camp that we were on, oh, that had like a you know lovely market. All people were, you know, that worked in there. They were s- beautiful people, just like so nice. And um, local local employed civilians, and they were just so nice, so grateful. You know, so grateful to actually work in there. Yeah. Um, and on the so we got over there on the 10th on the 15th of August our front gate got hit so a suicide bomber um, laden with explosives in a car got through three checkpoints and uh, all the local employed civilians were parked uh, uh, outside lined up to go into work Uh, and he blew blew himself up outside the camp killing every single person in the queue they're local casualties they're local employed civilians not, not military no Wow. So the, the on the gate was Macedonians, so they were like opening and closing the gates. But this is where all the embassies are. Mm. He, sh- he shouldn't have even got there. Mm. This is the thing he shouldn't have got there. Yeah. So he's got through a a local local police local army. He's got through one of their checkpoints, but you know it's a bit like the narcos. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, money yeah. talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm watching narcos Mexico yeah, at the moment. Days. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's got through a, an American. And I don't know if it was a British checkpoint as well. So I don't know if he, he had a bat, he had a pass or whatever. His vehicle wasn't checked. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's just detonating himself outside. And, he, and the massive, there was a Macedonian on the front who got, but he got flung into a flung into a car or whatever, and he hurt all his legs. And we we were doing it. We were doing training at the other side of the camp, and we just heard this big boom, and we were like, oh, you know what's happened? We hit the deck, and because we thought it was a mortar attack and all this, we didn't know what was going. Because that's our first sort of. Our first thing, you know, being in there, first, first attack, if you like. Yeah, the noise and everything. Else, you think it was oh, what's, yeah, what's happening yeah, there? Sh- the, the ground was shook. And then we went into this bunker, and we were all sitting, and then he started chanting Team Medic, and I was like, I'm a Team Medic, I want to yeah. yeah. go down. And um, so people started giving me all like tourniquets and extra magazines and uh, field dress, bit, you know, these big dressings called first field dressings. Um, and then we were up there was about five of us just like run, <laughs> running down like you know five Rambos just like yeah we're ready yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when we got there the, all the casualties were all getting treated so we just done a little bit uh, and then we went into this room then and then everyone's getting taken to hospital 
uh, and that sort of like that that was that day over uh, and then on the um, on the 17th of August uh, so on, on the 18th of August was the, the our first day in in role that was going to be our first detail and on the 17th we got asked by uh, Sergeant C uh, the American US Marine and just give you a little you know overview of him he was 59 years of age he'd done two tours of Vietnam done deserts done everything done everything you can think um, and he just signed up he'd been out in Kabul for 12 months he'd just signed up to do another 12 months as well and I think he was a couple of weeks from his 60th birthday wow. it was just like so such a decorated person you know everybody in that camp was scared. I won't swear but scared <laughs> scared of, of, uh, of him and you know we were talking before about like you can you can feel someone's aura when yeah. and, and it was the it was the same with him. We didn't know him that much. We've obviously just worked with him over that certain amount of time, over that seven days. And he asked us to do a detail. So we were Alpha team and we had the Charlie team. Um, so in the Alpha team there was two vehicles. In the Charlie team there was two vehicles. And the, and the, the so in the A team for like bloody hell, you know, this is it, we're going out on the ground. This is like this is ours now. I'm the driver, so then it goes you know what I mean? Uh, and you sort of like get this adrenaline and uh, and all you was was all, all we were doing was um, um, protecting these trucks we were going to what we were going to one camp to pick up going to one camp to pick up some trucks bring them back and then take them back again mm. sounds easy doesn't it you know A to B and then B to A that's it uh, the threat brief in the morning was uh, look out for a, a, a white vehicle because it's because apparently it's full of explosives or it's out to do some damage. Um, the only problem is every taxi is white in Kabul. <laughs> so you imagine me as a driver, like, oh god, <laughs> no, but again, it was one of them. You're trained and you you are you are ready for anything that's thrown at you. Anything that's thrown at you, you sort of well, you say you're ready for everything, but we'll go into that in a minute. Um, but you're trained to deal with any sort of scenario if you like, or everybody's dealt. Trained to deal with any scenario, so yeah. So we brought the trucks back. We had our dinner, and then we went back out. Sergeant C was in the back of the vehicle I was driving, and he had my friend next to me called Martin Ty. Um, he's I think he's one of the world's strongest disabled men uh, right now as well. So if you want to search that name on the internet, Martin Ty. Uh, he he was he was our two IC of the team, um, and we just driving down. And my my corporal knife just said scouts block the road. So I, um, um, every scouser in the army gets called scouts by the way. <laughs> so sometimes when you, someone, you might be walking down and you go, scouts, and about 20 people will turn around. <laughs> and it's the same with like Jock and Geordie, you know, there's about 20 odd people. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I got told to, to, to block the road so no vehicles could get, uh, no vehicles could uh, come the other way, obviously right hand side of the road. And then they started bringing the vehicles around, and literally we were going up, I don't know, a few hundred meters to get to um, to get to the camp that we were going into. Uh, and as I got back into the convoy, uh, a suicide bomber, um, who was in a white car, drove into the back of my vehicle and blew himself up. Wow. Um, yeah. So wow. he, he, yeah. So his his vehicles hit the the, the right the back right hand side of of my vehicle. And yeah, it detonated. Yeah, it detonated himself, so it killed killed ten, injured fifty two people. Jeez. So um, one of them that lost his life instantly was Sergeant C. That was in the back of the vehicle. 
Uh, and so is he is so blindside you didn't see it coming at all so no so this is this is the thing so like after um a- after it the, the guilt that was like the biggest thing for me was the, was was guilt um was like you know did I check my mirrors did I do this that I've done everything you know the, the only the only thing that I could have stopped that is not being there Mm, the yeah. only way I could have stopped it is yeah. not being there. They were doing damage no matter what, though, were they? Well, that, that was the yeah, that was the thing, and and we we were in a we just drove, we were driving through like a market, so the market was on one side with like loads of shops, and over the other side of the road was just like a, a layby with loads of cars and vans parked in it, so it just looked like it was normal. The market was busy, and that and that's the thing, you know, it's the it's normal when it's like that it's not normal if the road's quiet because yeah. mm. like the locals know something you know what I mean mm. um, so it was just it was a normal thing everything was fine and then yeah he's done that um, Sergeant C got um, landed on top of two ISO containers his body got blew out the vehicle the vehicle landed uh, on its roof um, obviously you know in flames um, and you know you, I can show you pictures of the vehicle and we were so lucky that we were in an armoured vehicle or we wouldn't be we were, I wouldn't be here to, you know, to tell you this story wow. um, a lucky thing as well that my body armour and everything got blew off me because the gap that I got out of I probably wouldn't have got out of if yeah, I had that yeah. body armour yeah. on um, we didn't have any seatbelts on which is a good thing as well because I could have been trapped in a vehicle by the seatbelt because it was all like just black smoking like all I can remember is dragging myself to a place where I could breathe um, and then I conked out. When I when I come round, the first person I seen was a local Afghan. I asked him for help, uh, and he didn't help me. But that's I, I understand that. That's because mm. if if he's seen to be helping me, yeah. Mm. But um, pockets were robbed, so all my pockets were. Um, so I had like money in me, like a little wallet that I had. I was a smoker back then. I, I opened twenty. I'd smoked one, so I should have had nineteen left, but they got robbed as well. <laughs> Scumbags! Wow. Uh, I had wow. a badge, I had a pass on my arm, which I got in and out of camp uh, camps with, um, and I had a picture of my family underneath that that got that got taken off me. Um, robbed out obviously weapons and, and stuff like and that. So while you're unconscious. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, that's crazy, I, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah, and, and 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 this is the thing, you know, in a country like that where they're able to, you know, if they think you've got stuff in your pockets, they're going to do it. And now this was the first day. This was the eighth day. Eighth day. So I've done that sort of seven yeah. day handover yeah. takeover, and and that like that regiment that was there before, I, um, that that regiment that was there before us just gone. I just like some of our people in the vehicles took them to the airport, so they hadn't even left the country yet. And then the air, this big explosion, and like, and one of my mates, Tomo, he just went, "Oh my god, that's one of our lads, or oh, that's that's our guys." <coughs> yeah, and then, and then the next person that come over was a, a girl called Steph, who was just like, it was like a, an angel, <laughs> and um, she, uh, she sort of, like, I got up and walked towards her, um, because that, and I, I felt like. I felt like I looked like the elephant man. Me, me face all just felt like mangled, and um, my body just felt like, oh my god, what's what's just happened? You know, you're in you're in shock. You're in, and adrenaline still running through you as well. So you're a bit like, you know, 
sort of um, super vigilant and looking around what's happening and who's who's safe who's not again that must be like training sort of kicking in and then Steph gave me to a, a lad called Prakash who was one of the Gurkhas uh, and then he put me in the back of the vehicle then with uh, one of the Fijians and oh my god he got absolute grief off me because like I wanted the Siggy <laughs> and he and he's going no skulls no <laughs> and Tui his name is Tui Vonu. Yeah. so give us a cigarette he's like no you might need operation no no you know what I'm saying oh. so he wouldn't let me and then this fella come in and was like checking me and he, I, don't even, I don't even know where he was from but he had like body armour on and he was just checking me and um, this local Afghan army or Afghan police was like banging on our vehicle to tell us to move I can understand why he was doing it but our, our vehicle was military you could tell it was military um, and he's trying to get us to like move away from the sort of site but our our lads are, um, our lads are, and our girls are setting up a setting up a cordon yeah. of our own sort of thing and he opened the door <laughs> oh god like because my shoulder was in agony I don't know why it was in agony but I know I know why now yeah um, and, and, he, and he opened the door and because I said to Tubi, I said, open that door, open the door. So we come round and open the door. And I said, look at me. And I had like blood on, I was covered in like blood and stuff like that. And he was just like, and I, I tried to throw a, throw a punch at him. And oh my God, it must have been, he must have just felt like I was tickling him with my feather. Because <laughs> I was that weak. Uh, and then he sort of just like moved away then. And then we got taken to the hospital. And By the other three vehicles at this point. The other, so the, the other two vehicles two, right, yeah. so right there no three vehicles yeah so yeah. They, they'd set up cordons right so where that where, was taken out yeah right. and there was a truck as well that got taken out so the truck that was uh, directly behind me the fella in the it was the driver was killed right because it was just a civilian truck um, and then yeah got got brought back to the hospital I found out that it broke me back in two places uh, my shoulder was just KO'd, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just like, it was probably seven places broke. Wow. They're just all different, like fractures and. <coughs> um, so I'm like, I'm so lucky now that you know I've got full use of my whole body. Like you know, see some lads and it's just like so sad that they sort of got to go through life and like I'm so I count myself very 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 lucky, you know because this distance away if I was this distance away I would have been dead mm. where what? Yeah. two foot yeah, two yeah. three foot yeah. nothing um, and yeah and then I got brought back to like Celio Hospital which is like the mil- well it's not a military hospital there's a ward that's like the, mili- the, the military side of Celio Hospital in Birmingham and boss we got like yeah, I got told that my back wasn't as bad so I, I broke two bones in my back but it wasn't anything that was going to cause me any grief afterwards um, and another reason is all the training that we've done you're strengthening your back and everything like that you know what I mean mm-hmm. you're, you're carrying your weight and stuff um, so everyone was like that. that's that's another reason why these lads who you triple amputees and I know lads that triple amputees they, you know lost hearing in one ear they've lost sight in one eye you know, they've lost their manhood and stuff like that but they're still carrying on and it's all about that mm-hmm. it's, they're mentally strong but they're also physically strong as well because of all the training they've gone through um, yeah and we, we're in this hospital I was like yeah we were getting dominoes all the time and you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all, you know everyone was uh, yeah the, the prime minister come in and he was he was 
like going around everyone's beds and it was Gordon Brown at the time and, you know seeing how everybody was and, and you know not many people wanted to talk to him you can understand why but um, not many people wanted to sort of have him you know next to the bed and stuff like that was that a bit of resentment then you think yeah, yeah. I think I, I think it was sort of you know because there was lads who were like you know why am I why yeah. am I in this hospital yeah, you know, it's because of you and, yeah, of but my thing is like you know he didn't sign on the dotted line for you you know he didn't sign up to the military for you um, yeah I understand mental health I suffer with it myself um, uh, and everything like that but that you can come out with that um, but uh, people give him grief on that <laughs> like, people give him grief um, and I remember I was a smoker obviously and I remember walking and you should see how many security there was there was like security in like a lift just going up and down <laughs> lift like why are you going up and down security on the stairs security outside there was security everywhere and you're like bloody hell yeah just showed how, how hated he was there wasn't yeah. even that much security with Prince William yeah you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable yeah um yeah, and then I went through a sort of, you know, after I come back from hospital, to be honest, the army were brilliant. You know, got my family to and from the hospital. I had a visiting officer who was a person that, like, you know, took me mum and my girlfriend at the time and my sister wherever they wanted to go, really. They used to put them up in hotels in Birmingham. Um, oh, I remember going to an Aston Villa game. Yeah? Yeah, I went to an Aston Villa game. It was that when they were in, they in Europe. Was only winning your 2009. Yeah, side, like, like the Matt O'Neill side, I want it with yeah, heads yeah. off and yeah, yeah. John Kirby with people yeah. like that. John Kirby, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashley Young, Matt Albright was in like the youth team, like <laughs> Fabian Delph. Was you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he had hair. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, but I've got, I've got pictures. Wow, and, and, and we got tickets. And the, the woman said, Come here after the game, and we'll, um, and the, Oh yeah, just come to this gate after the game, and it was like, all right. So there was like some walking wounded. There was lads that were in wheelchairs, and obviously we're all <laughs> we look like some bloody um, people that have just been an ultimate fighter because you've all got bruises all over us and stuff like that. Like this is probably um, not that long after I'd got back from Afghanistan. You know what I mean? Like you know, a few weeks ago we were all fit as a fiddle, and then the next minute you know just a few in a wheelchair, and we're all like having a sling and stuff like that. Um, and we got to the back, and it was the place coming out and they were all signing our tops yeah um, I donated my top to the to the ward like but uh, John Carew got on his hands and knees and bowed down to us seriously I was just like boss just Fred like that. there that's great that so it, yeah. and he was so, like and it was, it was piddling down as well and he, and he went over to the gate and he was signing all the fans and Ashley Young mm. just walked past us Did he, yeah? seriously just walked past us that says a lot doesn't it Carew yeah. there like massive respect yeah, I like you understand because I don't know. I say I understand. I probably lied to myself there because them football, like footballers, I don't know if they realise how much ten seconds mm. can do to someone. Mm. You know what I mean? You think um, it's more obviously John Kirby with the time was was a, a mature player, been yeah. on the scene for many many years. Ashley Young was a lot younger then yeah. you know the, is it because the he's obviously not as mature so he hasn't got to, to understand them you, you, you like to try and give people the benefit of the doubt yeah. I'm sure but at the time I know if that was me I wouldn't be happy 
I'd, I'd be I'd be livid, you know. Yeah. When, you, when you see one player doing one thing, like mm. John Cleaver, and then one player just walk into his car, mm. you know, it's it's not. It's the thing, but you see it now, like when you know, you see when like Everton, when we do anything with the players, and then like every player is bum mm. on it. Mm. You know what I mean? Every player is involved or wants to be involved in some way, shape, or form. And it's genuine as well. And yeah. You can see it in the videos, you know, like Mina and oh, all, yeah. all the Brazilian lads and like mm. and Gomez as well. You, mm. you can see they all care, don't they? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's even just like like even just like the. Like I've had like one-to-one chats with like you know, but like well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I've had one-to-one chats with quite a few of the players, which are you know, again, very very lucky to be able to to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And they're just so again, like so interested, in, and it's not just oh, this is just another thing we have to do. This mm-hmm. is like the, the genuinely interested in what you've got to say and and and, and what you do and and the job you do as well. It's just yeah, it's just amazing. Um, yeah, so, sorry, we digressed a bit. Didn't we? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so and then I went into like sort of rehab mode then, and I had to go to a place called Headley Court, which again is amazing. Um, got to do a little bit met Helen Chamberlain down oh, there, right, Helen Chamberlain, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Adrian Lewis, Jackpot Lewis, oh yeah, darts player. Yeah, I played uh, five oh well, I started on like. 101 I think we started on 201 he started on 5 and absolutely uh, annihilated every single person that he played um, but again such a lovely lovely uh, person and he just wanted to obviously you know it, 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 it's, it's good for them you know for the media and everything as well but genuinely genuinely interested in, in what everyone and was just dead nice to everyone at the time he was the world champion I think or he just or he just lost it I'm not sure um, but yeah, um, just dead, dead grounded, lovely, lovely fella, uh, and and I was doing loads of rehab and, um, and then in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, uh, that's when I got diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and me sort of life was in it because I was sort of sent home. I was on sick leave and everything like that. But this is this has happened over a couple of years. This is this hasn't just happened, you know, in a couple of days, um. And I just like, I could just see myself just dropping and dropping and dropping and spiraling, not out of control, but just into it within myself. Um, and anybody that was trying to get close to me, I was pushing them away. And um, and at at the time, Everton give me a give me a sorry, my I had a personal recovery officer, and the Everton had a Everton had a. Um, veterans project at the time because um, you know I was thinking about ways to take my own life Wow. so I was you know the thoughts were there I hadn't acted on anything but the sort of the start of it was there you know what I mean I could, and I could feel myself sort of feeling like you know what you know what good am I and, and, and stuff like that and, and I still had a lot you know when I was talking about guilt you know, I was like, is it my fault that Sergeant C's dead? Should I have should I have checked the mirrors? Should I have, you know, checked the wing mirrors, should have looked over my shoulder and just all them all them things go through your head. Could well, I survival guilt. Yeah, survival yeah, yeah, loads yeah. of survivor's guilt. Yeah. And, it, and it took me and it took me a long time to sort of get over that. Um and you you just your head's just mangled and it, and it's it's weird it it sounds weird to say it that way but your head's just everywhere and at the time it, you know personal recovery officer he was brilliant and he he rang me up and he just said you're a blue aren't you and I was like yeah I'm a blue and 
uh, you know, went to a few of the games. I got some tickets to the games. Me, me dad wrote to uh, uh, to Bill Kenwright and uh, asked for some tickets. <laughs> this is me dad for you. So uh, <laughs> I got a uh, we got a letter back saying, uh, "I'm sorry to hear, I'm sorry to hear you're not well. Um, I'm sorry to hear you're not well. Um, here's a here's a pendant." And so my dad wrote back, he went, not well. <laughs> not, he's just been, this is, because I was like, just leave him. He's like, not well. Yeah. He went to Afghanistan for, you know, yeah. done all this for his country. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, we ended up getting a signed shirt and four tickets in the book. <laughs> 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 and we come down, it's the first time I met a, a lady called Val, Val Lovell, who's just an absolute inspiration to anyone. She's lovely. It's the first time I met her and uh, we would come to the Stoke game and, it was one one, I think it was. I was at the time where we had like the black, the black kit with the pink on it. And yeah, Osman scored. Osman scored. Nicolas. We got four tickets to the game, and it was, it was you know brilliant. Um, and yeah, uh, so my personal recovery officer gave me give me a leaflet, and it was for uh, a project called Inside Writing. It was just like just you know, and on the leaflet it was like you know, uh, or no, I I think I looked on the website. Sorry. And it was, um, you know, come down, play footy, have a brew once a month. And uh, I was just like, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, and honest to God, like I, I always say, like, ever, I, I, I would say Evan a community, you know, were, were a part of saving my life, definitely. Because um, I don't if I wouldn't have had that at the time, where would I have been? Mm. Or what would I have done? I can't say, you know, 100% that I was going to take my own life, but... I was, you know, was thinking about it. Was on the way there. That's a um, huge statement that to say that they played that such a part. Oh in yeah, yeah, and, and it's not something that one person did, or it's not like a counselor or a psychiatrist or whatever. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it was a, it's a, it, it was walking into the room and having lots of other lots of other people who shared the same experience as you or had been through something similar as you. And, it, and that's all it was, um, and it was like it was like big massive weight just been lifted, and then it was like you bought your footy stuff, and I was like, yeah, I was like, all right then. In the afternoon, we're going to go and play footy, and we've got a special surprise. And I was like, surprise! Thomas Hitzelsberger comes oh, down to yes, the session. Wow. The we're playing. The hammer comes down <laughs> again. Such a, lo- <laughs> such a lovely, lovely. Add a little bit of you know five. Such a lovely, lovely, lovely person. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my god, you know, is this what it's going to be like all the time? You know, getting to be playing. <laughs> Obviously, we got we got to do loads of different stuff, and uh, and at the time, like when I was a participant, we were getting to go on the pitch and do the remembrance stuff, and it was just like, oh my god. And um, I remember uh, Samuel Etu give one of my mates, and I, one of my mates now, Andy Larkey, he gave him a big massive hug on the pitch, and it was like, oh. <laughs> it was just bad. It was like Samuel Etu, yeah, and then uh, 2013, I was medically discharged. I was trying to get back in. I was trying to, like... But I think I was sort of, you know, lying to myself and me on that I could ever get back to full fitness. And I was just trying to, like, you know, mask it, if you like. Is that hard to accept for you? Oh, so. yeah. Because, you know, as I said at the beginning, I signed up for 22 years. I didn't want to... I wanted to be a soldier. I wanted to... I wanted to... I still want to be a soldier right now. You don't know how much I want to be in the army right now. Like, mm. I'd go back. I'd go back tomorrow if I could. Yeah, and that's not nothing against you know my job or anything like that. That's just like I, I I miss it so much. And 
you you'll find that with a with a lot of the lads that are, that are out. You know, a lot of the lads will have you know bad bad things to say and stuff like that. But uh, you know, the, I, I was looked after. You know, the, the injured lads are wrapped up like uh, you know in cotton wool a little bit, and it's the lads that sort of slip through the net that have got the sort of the not slip through the net, but feel like they don't get as much support. Um, and Prince William said it. You know, he asked us the question: Do you feel like the army do enough? And the lads went no, and he said, "I agree." you know they, they don't it's like it's like sort of you've done now at you and I felt it a little bit because it was sort of like I just got loads of pieces of paper and he said go and get them signed from your regiment you're finished sort of thing not not in that in a bad way because my doctor was like so nice and I had like a med board you'd have a medical board and it's sort of it's what you're getting discharged under and um, and this is where like you know the business ends. It's like how much are you giving me? <laughs> you know this is the thing. You know how, how much are you giving me for? And uh, I'm, I'm going for a review at the moment, by the way. So if anybody from <laughs> Army Compensation Scheme is listening, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and and then at that time it's like you sort of like that's sort of you finished thinking a bit. Like, oh, it's a bit deflating. Mm. It's horrendous because you sort of you you know again another thing what I said about the beginning living in Aldershot that was my family. Like some of the lads I'm still mates with now we've we've met up a couple of times and you know and I miss them so much like I there's you know I want that more than for all of us to be back together again it, you know it never ever work out like that but I'd love for us all to just you know be back together at camp again and maybe we could do a reunion like that one year where we go back to the camp that we were on and stuff and. Just talk about you know you see these fellas and they're all farts just like <laughs> you know just talking about talking about talking. But yeah, and um, yeah. So after after I got after I got my discharge, how were you diagnosed? with? you said then I was diagnosed with PTSD. Was it the med board that did that? No, or no. That was that was when I was going through obviously all my um, appointments with like my doctor and psychiatrist and stuff like that because we're going like here, there, and everywhere for right. for appointments and stuff. And when I was on the sick. On the sick, <laughs> when I was on sick leave, um, I was going to like uh, up to a place, uh, Telford, for appointments. I was going up to like Catterick for appointments, and it was like what? Mm. And like the offer that they give me when I was getting out of the military was uh, six months. You can have six months mental health support, uh, but you have to make your own way to Catterick. Right. Like, how am I getting to Yorkshire? Yeah, yeah. I can pay for the train, but that's going to cost me hundred and fifty quid a time. Yeah, not yeah. a chance. Or I could have done sort of a Chester, but again, it's still, mm. you know, it's still going to cost me money to go and do it. Um, Did you get a bit of stick with that? Don't say that the yeah. support when you come out after going through some of the traumatic you've gone through. Yeah, I don't know what it is now, yeah. but like at the, at the time, I say you know certain aspects about it, I hated, mm. um, and I think like the the resettlement wasn't great for me. I, I deferred it for two years but again it still wasn't great for what I wanted and what I wanted to do um, and then yeah so I ended up getting a job with I started doing some volunteering when I was in the military and it was like um, working with young people so working in a youth club I was like a, an appropriate adult for kids that had been arrested and stuff like that so but I'd never ever felt like that before obviously the younger soldiers in our regiment sort of like not looked up to me but would come to me and go well, we ask out what do you think about this so I was always sort of seen as a because you know we were we were older if you like even though I'm the most you know immature lad <laughs> there is um, but obviously I can have a joke but I know when I you know when I need to be when I need to be serious and um, and yeah and it, 
so yeah, when I, when I got out, I start, well, when I was still on sick leave, I started volunteering with the Prince's Trust. Started doing a little bit of volunteering down the Fairbridge programme in, in town there on Renshaw Street. Um, and I loved it. And I was like, oh. And then we went through this thing and Help for Heroes were doing like supporting with contracts for a year. I was like, oh, I'll get us one of them. <laughs> so I got a 12 month contract when I first left the military. Um, 12 month contract with the, the Prince's Trust. And then, uh, um, yeah, for, it, for obviously for, for, for a year. Um, working with the young people, you know, taking them away on residentials and stuff like that. I did, I the, I did the team program. Oh, did you? Yeah. As, as the the employee participants oh, yeah. my work for I think it was twelve weeks, and it, it massively, massively opened my eyes yeah. because you just you walk around oblivious because you you're on without. I don't want to digress too much. Yeah, no, no, no. But you you're on a, a a course with say ten or twelve young people between I think it was sixteen and twenty three or something like that from background some are, some are still had tags on because you were just being released from young offenders mm. some had, had no jobs drug issues alcohol issues all that kind of thing and I'm coming in stable background you know working yeah. and what have you and you go in <coughs> acting as a, as, a, as a mentor and when you get through to, to the, that final you do you do community initiatives you know you, you renovate places you're fundraising you're teaching them various things you're doing mock interviews you're doing a lot of things you know and when when you got through to that that uh, at the five raid headquarters in Bootle, it's like a passing out ceremony for them. It's great. Like they're all in suits and proms, dresses and all that. And I was obviously part of it myself. And you feel immense pride in right. not only what you do, but what, what 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 they do and what the Princess Trust, Trust actually do. Because for someone to say like yourself, it huge opened my eyes. You know, so that's just that's just me. Yeah. Just digressing that, but just to sort of say how, how good that kind of thing. Yeah, and this is the thing as well, and it's using using someone with a sort of military background, you know, that discipline and that sort of selfless commitment and integrity and all and all that sort of, you know, values and everything that you that you hold to work with young people in the community. So it's just not like you're just some person. Because, you know, I come from a I, I've come from a I'm not saying a rough background. I was always looked after, but you know, there's been problems in my in my younger life, which we we'd be here all all day going into that. But like, you know, I've had so there's you know I've got sort of an empathetic understanding with the young people and stuff, and um, and it worked and it was boss. And I was like, but then you know it was always going to come to the end and end after tw- after twelve months. Um, and I was and alongside that, I was still involved in this veterans program inside right that I was on. Uh, that that Everton community ran at the, uh, at that time, uh, and then at the end I, I lost my job, not lost my job with uh, the Prince's Trust, but I went for a job at Everton. There's a job uh, uh, working on a project called Everton Traineeships. Uh, went on that, got went for an interview, got the job. I was just like, "Is right, I'm going to be wearing this Everton trackie and everything like that." Got onto this project, we we were like the last people to get any sort of uniform, so I was wearing like botched bloody <laughs> uniform and stuff. And this is over the only over the last few years that I've actually had a proper proper good uniform. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's what, that thing again, that pride about being in a uniform every single day, and and I think if I had to wear. Like just my own clothes. I don't, I don't know what I'd do. You know, like if I didn't have a uniform or I didn't feel like a sense of belonging. It, it is, yeah, you know definitely, I mean? yeah. definitely. Yeah. And that's and that's what you lose when you leave the military. You know, that camaraderie, that sense of belonging, that you know, being a part of a team and stuff. Even though you are part of a team, if you're wearing your own clothes, but 
you know, even in the printed stuff, you still had the t-shirt. You were all wearing the same t-shirt. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like an element of structure. Yeah, as well, to you, to you. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. It's identity, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was your start in Everton the community then. That was my yeah. that was my start. Yeah, I don't know. We've sorry, I've gone right no, no, into mate, the story, no, no. but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my that was my start with Everton the community then. Um, even though I'd, I'd been people knew me face and stuff like that because I was always involved in this project and um, even from like you know even when I was on the project I was I, I, you know we got asked to do like little media stuff on mm. on. Um, on camera or we'd we'd done like a little video for uh, when Everton were playing Liverpool and he wanted to like get an Everton and Liverpool fan together who were on a project so me and this me and the fella Phil like two veterans was <laughs> waffling to this uh, <laughs> Liverpool Echo uh, uh, journalist writing like thingy and um, shorthand yeah, like, yeah. like shorthand we're like what's that you know like, <laughs> <laughs> this sort of you know I was just a participant um, and then yeah so this was like my first paid role within the community and I loved it you know again loved where I was supporting young people to get uh, either into work after school um, or get back into work um, that after the year that it, the, the prod it, it just didn't work it didn't work so it um, everyone was made redundant offer, uh, but at the time, the inside right program um, didn't get refunded. So it was like it was fate. Mm. It was like there's a project there with like my name on it, if you like. Um, so I went and seen the big boss, who's the director of health and sport, Mike Sala, um, which everyone was taking the mick out of him on the uh, on the the radio maze side of when the prince visited. Right, as he went. M. Salah, right? <laughs> <laughs> <in the> community. <laughs> um, yeah, so he got a, he got a bit of lip from that. Um, but yeah, he's the director of health and sport now at Everton Community, and uh, I went and seen him and um, uh, another fella who like I hold dearly to my heart, which is Johnny Garsard, who's my manager. He's my line manager now, but at the time he ran inside right. So it's like a, I don't know. It's like I've always had something to sort of be um, to thank him for. Uh, because he was the one that ran that project at that time and that's the project that I'd say saved my life if you like um, and I just went into them and I was sort of there standing and it was like, uh, was like what do you want Dave sort of because I was like what do you want and he was like I want the project and he was like right there you go let's let's go and do it then so me and Mike sort of worked well I say me and Mike worked together to write a funding application he wrote the funding <laughs> application uh, I went and done like a little bit of research and at the time there was no project uh, or veterans provision in Nosley there was a, a veterans provision all around the other boroughs apart from Nosley so I went to see well after about 20 million transfers through the council you know oh yeah I'll get someone to phone you back mm. uh, I got through to this fellow called Paul Peng who's the community and cohesion manager for Nosley council and I said I want to come and run this project I told them about it done a little bit of research on how many veterans there were eight and a half thousand veterans in Nosley um, Let's let's put this project on. He went all right then. So I had the backing from the council and as well as Mike's expertise, we ended up doing a funding application. We got forty grand, about right. thirty eight, thirty nine thousand for the first year to run the project. And um, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but like Phil Jagielka come down and launched the project. I've still got the I've still got the um, the shirt there. Um, and at the time, the project was called Nosley Veterans Hub. Mm. Right. That's what we called it. So it had like a sort of identity for the borough. Uh, and then Veterans Hub, you know, 
uh, as long as people looked into it a little bit because a lot of people think like football and veterans they feel like oh is it an over 35 football team because that's what they mm-hmm. think but then once you start identifying as stuff like naffy break <coughs> which is like in the military a naffy break is for you to go and have go down a naffy which is right. the shop which is the bar which is the well for me I, you know I was a massive gambler when I uh, and I, that's where the fruit machines were right. you know I, was, right. I haven't gambled for like five years now but that was that was my thing looking for a buzz mm-hmm. um, so the, the naffy was like you know that place you can just go down and throw all your money in and get nothing back ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so putting them on like the leaflets the lads are like wow naffy break he's right because yeah. I remember the naffy break the naffy break was where all me and my mates all got together and we all had a laugh and we all had the bacon butty or we all had this you know what I mean or it used to be a rollover hot dog in a, in a naffy <laughs> hot dogs that look like they'd be in there for about three weeks you still, you still eat them there's that lingo in the camaraderie thing again isn't it yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is the thing and Pete went like because when I see anything like that I go what I know that mm-hmm. egg banjo I know every other people call it but I only ever heard that in the, in the military egg banjo yeah. Do the egg banjo scouse or yeah. do you want an egg banjo? You know what I mean. Um, so the, these are the sort of these are the sort of phrases we use, um, and yeah. So we we started we we launched the project in uh, uh, February two thousand sixteen, and really, it's because it's it's so informal. The project's so informal. Obviously, we take you know, data and we have um, aims and objectives of the project, but it's so important and that's the way it, it needs to be. We need to keep it as informal as possible because I know if stuff started turning informal for me and I was a, a participant on a project, it'll just push people away. So, you know, we do that evident community thing. We use the power of the brand. You know the power of the brand, you know, use it, use it blues yourselves. Yeah. You know the power of this badge and uh, and what I can do. And the power of the evident community badge now, you know, in its own right. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Everton badge anymore. It's, you know, we've got our own, we've got our own crest, if you like. And, and we put that out there and people know what it is. Um, pe- people know what it is straight away, you know, the round with yeah, the yeah. ITC through it. Um, so in our own right, we are, you know, Obviously, we still need the the Everton badge. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, you know Everton through and through. But people, if people here, Everton community, they sort of you know they set up because they know what Everton community is all about and what it does. It so takes time to do that as well. You see, to create a brand that doesn't happen overnight, does it? Yeah. Well, you know, there you so go. It's continuous. It's continuous, consistent, good work, isn't it? Mm. Uh, well, it is well thought of. Yeah, thirty-two years on. Yeah, maybe. thirty-two years on of the, the work we're doing and going from having like. You know, say six little programs, but six staff when it you know when it first set out, and it, there's a, there's a fella called Steve Johnson who's our disability manager. Uh, his project, like next year, it's twenty years. Wow, twenty years his project's been going, and he's like being here the longest ever in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, he was here when it was just like seven or eight fellas and women out of a out of a working out of a room and stuff like that. So he's like. You know, part of the part of the the, the the wood part of like I don't know the the um, I don't know what you call the fabric, it. Yeah. Part of the fabric that you yeah. remember that, that was a thing. But they are so yeah. true, and then then people that they use for them videos are part of the fabric. You know, like Jimmy Martin and the painter John mm. being here for donkeys years, and these are the people that you know that you you want to you want to keep around the club. And like Carlo alludes to it it's like a family isn't it it is, it is literally a family oh, club it isn't it? Um, and that's one of the best parts of the club isn't it and, yeah. and that's the thing and from top to bottom it's not like you know oh, you're the community and we're the club and um, 
it's it is it's just like because I'm, I'm I'm like a social butterfly me so I'll just walk into a room and just say hello to anyone um and it, but it's like that it's so like it's so engaged and and even from you know the top, like Carlo Ancelotti you know we've done like a Everton community showcase the other week and that was just another surreal moment where he just come over to our the veterans table and just started speaking to the lads <clears throat> and just started like having a chat with them and I'm like I'm having a chat with them and then telling them you know about like some of the pictures that were on the table and stuff like that and he's just like yeah he's just involved and just like you know so into it and that's that's what you want you want and even from like Denise and Dan you know Denise who's the, obviously our CEO <coughs> um, she has like a well I don't know, not so much anymore because she's very very busy but you know an open door policy and if you want to if you want to go and speak to her you can and you know it's not that sort of you don't need to be, you know, scared to stop her in a corridor or anything like that because she's, she's just a human being like us, and, and she knows she knows what we're all about, and if and you know if you if you've got an issue and she can help you with it, she will. So there's none of that sort of. Um, we had it in the military, uh, and it was like uh, like hierarchy. Mm. You know, you had to go through one person to go through another person. It's not like that here. You can just mm. yeah, there's still policies and processes and stuff like that, but. You just because it just feels like a unit, like a family unit, um, yeah. And and the project's been going that was since obviously two thousand and sixteen, and we supported over six hundred veterans and their families. Uh, we supported ten veterans with with the mental health, and that's not like you know me sitting down with them. I'm not a psychiatrist. But that's me, you know, referring them out to diff- different places. Supported seventy five ex forces in prison. Wow. Yeah. Um, we've got people like employed as match day stewards, so some of the lads that you see, mm-hmm. uh, what newly lad, uh, new lad, uh, safety steward, so in the green jacket, so he's just being employed at the Palace game. Uh, he started the Palace game. We've got a few other stewards who've come from the veterans program, and we've done we've done loads of stuff. But it, again, it's 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 run by the veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's run, obviously you know I'm the project coordinator, but I asked the lads what they want to do. If we can do it, we can do it. I mean, like two years ago, we went to Somme. We went over to France, and um, we were we we worked with a um, NCS, which is a, a program that's run by the youth engagement team in Everton community. And it was ten young people, twelve veterans. Sorry, how many was it? Nine nine veterans and twelve young people, I think it was. And we went over. And it was just two days of just amazingness if that's even a word it was just it was just magical it was brilliant we went to the sum and we went to all like the different uh, memorials and stuff like that and then the second day we just walked around Paris I was like what I was like sitting with like I say my veteran I never call them my veterans but sitting mm. sitting with the lads outside the Louvre mm. having a chicken dinner do you know what I mean it's just like that's it's a boss that we're able to that we're able to do that and we're able to sort of facilitate yeah, yeah, well, that's it, yeah, and yeah. you know, support, and and that was support from the, the top right down to the bottom. Obviously, we had to do all the fundraising for it and everything, uh, and and but it got everybody working together, and it's social action, you know, getting everybody out of the community, raise the funds, and it was breaking down barriers between young and old. So the youngest that was there was seventeen, and the oldest was eighty two. Um, this year, uh, we'll we I'll go into I'll go into that in a minute, but we're doing another trip. Um, this year, the oldest will be. 83, so it was the 82 year old. I know, will he be 84? Oh, he might be 84 actually. He'll be 84. 
Um, but the, like the youngest, the youngest uh, veteran at the moment, active veteran, is probably me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably or probably a little bit younger. Yeah, and the oldest is 102. Wow. Yeah, he's 103 in April. And we we done a little Christmas party for him when Silver was here. I don't know if you've seen that. And, and a big dunk come down, and Jags and Sharpie. It was amazing. Yeah, and he played like baseball with Dixie Dean. <laughs> you know, it's not every day you get someone talking about him playing baseball with Dixie Dean. But uh, yeah, he's hundred. He'll be hundred and three this year. It'd be lovely if we could take him away with us and stuff and get him involved more than he is. But yeah, it's just it's one of their age things. That that's it. He's all there. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, in his head and stuff like that, he could tell you when he got signed up, where he got signed up. You know, nineteen thirty nine. It was when he. Uh, that's crazy. On, uh, on Hawthorne Road in Boodle. <laughs> when he when he first got told that like they were going over and four and a half years in Egypt he done. Um yeah, and then it's so ad hoc it's unreal, like this programme. Like it's just, you know, if stuff pops up, let's go and do it. Yeah, obviously I've got stuff that, you know, is in my head that we wanna do and we need to do to obviously, you know, hit our aims and objectives for the programme. But apart from that, uh, we do a uh, football session we do two naffy breaks uh, so we had one this morning <laughs> in a uh, centre 63 in Kirby um, so that's 10 till 12 every Friday um, and you can just come down and it's, have a brew you know you can bring bring a quid and we always just put money in the pot and we'll save that money now for any you know anything we want to do in the future and it's um, your criteria, Dave. Just anyone that's had any military service can come and get in. Yeah, so any veteran, any veteran, yeah, anyone, no matter whether they've done one day or they've done forty years. And how would they get in touch with you? So they can get in touch with me through the Everton Community website, um, or my email address at david.curtis at evanfc.com. You can get in touch with me through that, and it's anybody who's working with veterans as well, because you know some some of your listeners may be working with veterans in the community, and they want. They want to give them stuff, extra stuff to do, if you like, you know, just, and it's, and this is the thing, so like one of my objectives is to reduce social isolation, and it's massive, it's it's massive in, in, in just sort of health at the moment, isn't it, reducing social isolation, and you know, the GPs are looking at it, and it's how do you get to them people who want who isolate themselves, because there's people that will only come out just to get a paper, and then they go home, mm-hmm. go out a little bit of shop and go home, not do, they won't interact with anyone, so it's about you know. So we we do these we do these sessions to get people down, and you know so to, to get veterans down to them. But some of these some of these people, if they wasn't there, mm, yeah. Like, yeah, they'd be snorting, they'd be drinking, yeah, or they'd just sit there on the couch and not and not you know do anything. It's vital for mental health, isn't it? That, that sense of community is absolutely social vital. connection. Yeah, social connection. hugely. And there's lads on on the program now. They're best mates. Yeah. And they go out with each other. Like there's, there's these three. Like Tommy, Tommy, and Brian. I call them Tweedledum, Tweedledee, and Tweedledree. <laughs> but um, but like you can't get them apart. And even on like you know their own time, say their own time. But like they're all retired now, but they go on little walks and stuff like that, and go out to Chester. And right. you're always going, Dave. Guess where it'd be in this week? And it's like it's either Chester or Southport. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you can't. <laughs> but wouldn't have happened without. Yeah, massive. Everyone yeah. in the community and the veterans. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a lot of them met each other through that through that program. Um, yeah, and then we do uh, we do a football session on a Tuesday, which is four till five here at the Eminent Community People's Hub. Um, any vet again? Any veteran? 
uh, can come along and you know as a veteran as well it's not just sort of you that's the veteran it's your um you know immediate family as well mm. so they can get just as much of support if you like as uh, as the veteran themselves so, and they can come down to the footy session and if there's anyone listening that say is a, a business owner or works in fundraising and they thought they wanted to get involved with you again they could contact you on the same details yeah definitely yeah and you know there's we're doing a little uh well we're going to start at monday our little our little fundraising campaign for the project so this year in october uh, we want to do the same as we did for the song uh, but we're going to go to Krakow this time so we're going to go uh, the 18th of October this year we're going to fly 27 of us out to Krakow so that's 10 young people and I think it's about how many veterans I think there's about 15 veterans uh, we're going to go out so we're going to do the same again it's all about breaking down in barriers between young and old um, but also while we're out there we're going to go and visit Auschwitz which I don't know if any of you have been but I, I've been and it's so like it's an amazing place but for obviously all the wrong reasons mm, yeah. um, but it's a place that you've uh, like it was on again you know should it even be on my bucket list but it was just like one of them places I needed to go to um, so I went when I was 30 and Changes your perspective. Oh. I've, not, I've been I've been to the killing fields in Cambodia, which is obviously a, again similar sort of thing, and it, you just walk around in silence. Yeah, because it? it just really gives you. Mm. Know, but I on, think. On life. But again, you know, you've been there, yeah. so you but you keep that alive by yeah. talking about it. Yeah, and it's the same for you know it's the same you know where we went to Somme. You know, I know that there was a a film that came out this year you know 1917 yeah, which yeah, obviously yeah. which obviously uh, you know brought all that to, you know kept that memory going if you like um, and then you know your World War 2 films but like you know the Falklands Northern Ireland um, and then obviously the stuff that has happened in places like you know Auschwitz is to go over and bring that back home and keep that you know keep that memory alive and, and for the you know for the young people and the veterans that mightn't have been there uh, you know some of these young people haven't have never been who were giving them the opportunity to even get a passport and get out of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these kids and they're from the L four area as well. Um so it's massive and it's you know in, in our sort of blue mile, if you like, that get that yeah. gets looked after. Yeah, yeah. Um so we've got like a neighbourhood team that look after the blue mile uh, around around uh, Goodison. Um so it's gonna be it, it, these are, these are young people from the Everton community, so the in our Everton family, and um, so to give them the opportunity to come out with the veterans and to hear some like the veteran stories, you know, like I've obviously got a story which is a bit heavier today, but for mine's just one of many many people who have got many many tales to tell, and for some of these kids who are gonna hear some of them stories, it's just gonna be like amazing, absolutely amazing. And for, you know, like you know, but when they were some of the veterans when they were their age, I'd already been working about six years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. In some factory or whatever, or I know uh, one of the lads, Tommy, worked in like a dried fruit factory or something like that, and <laughs> it's like fifty years ago. Yeah. It's just like just amazing, amazing stories to tell. Um, but yeah, so to bring that memory back um, from from Krakow, so we're gonna go. Yeah, so we're gonna be over there like sort of three nights, two days. Uh, and then first day Auschwitz second day we're going to go and visit Wisla Krakow this mm-hmm. is the team um, the main team if you like in, in Krakow uh, and we're going to go for a little tour and we're hoping to get a little fixture uh, not against the first team obviously <laughs> uh, just against like their community team you know just to, again just to give the kids something to do when they're over there 
and imagine the memories that they're gonna that they're gonna get while they're over it. And then when we come back, we'll do something for like um, you know, like a celebration night where people can go and um, and, and see what they've see what they found while they're over there. Uh, but yeah, so it's gonna be a big sort of fundraising campaign. So. Um, if there is anybody that wants to support us in that, um, then yeah, again, just just get in touch. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to give us the full amount of money, now, but obviously we're going to be doing lots of individual fundraisers. We're going to be doing group fundraisers. Again, it's all social action, so it's all giving giving the participants a, a sense of uh, responsibility, uh, and that's their own. Um, and if they don't get out and raise the funds, then you know we can't we can't go on on these trips because uh, it's going to cost a fortune. But it's it, it's so much they get so much more out of it than that than, than the money it's going to cost. So much more than that. And like you know, I always say it like when it's, um, talking about the like the more than football sort of hashtag if you like, mm. um, like the sessions that we do here, and that's across the community. That's not just my my project. That's across the community. It's so much more than the sessions they do. It gives the the, the, the participants uh, on the on the on the program so much more back than just kicking a ball around or the, you know uh, knitting something or playing rounders or whatever. It's so much more than that. I think I think um, you were saying before when, on the drive up today that for for us for, for me. Premier League football clubs and beyond I've got a responsibility I think mm -hmm. to look after people in the community in the city whatever it might be in and the one club who's always stuck out who do that is this club and, and I'm proud to say that, mm -hmm. that that it's our club that, that do that but I think it's vital that you know the name of, of a club is utilised to, to help as many people as it possibly can and we've had first hand experience working with you, yourself over the last few months and then we've attended a couple of events and for ourselves they were fantastic events to attend. We we, we come away after the, the Christmas dinner one on on a high. You know, it was I, I thought it was fantastic sitting down with people. We spent at a table with you know with the veterans and having a roast dinner and while well, I was doing a quiz. And it's it, that's the kind of thing which you can see, you say, you can see oh, them the way they're all interacting with each other. Like that, yeah. without you doing that, like you said, what would they be doing? They'd be at home, the isolation bit. You know, they were all just chatting away yeah. and laughing. You can see the. And that's all being facilitated by what you've done yeah. since you started. It's a massive credit, massive credit to you as well, and, and obviously what the club have done as well. I just, I just love it, uh, and it's like you know, utilizes my sort of therapy of your life as well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because uh, you know, I've got, I've got this diagnosis, and yeah, it'll creep up and bite me at times and stuff. But just having this, having this project and working with the, you know, the lads that I work with, um, it just gives me that, that sense of. Just being back at the regiment, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's mental to say, but just being back at, at, amongst the lads and and as well, like not to be, you know, not trying to sound like big heads or nothing, but these lads look up to me as well. So mm -hmm. to to have that, sometimes I'd be a bit like, oh god, <laughs> but like uh, a lot of the time it's just like, but you know, this is mine and sort of, you know, these lads look to me for. But you can see why Dave, your story is really inspirational, isn't it? Yeah. To look at what happened to you and you know what happened when you came back from the army and you know your whole life your whole identity had been really completely erased and you had to start something again that it really is something to look up to thank yeah, you very totally much agree with that. So. I, I, I sat here listening in in awe of what you've done to be honest with you now you might have obviously heard people say it before but i couldn't do it i haven't got that mentality to to want to be in the army and, and do that kind of thing so to 
for to sit with someone for the time that we have today and, and listen to what you've done and what you've been through. But also the, the way that you feel about it, you you, you said you, you joined the army against an orange cut. You'd sat, you're, you're in that that uh, headspace of that that that's, that was your world and is your world even now because mm-hmm. the way that you do. And for me, I sit here in total awe of what you do and, and I thank you for what you've done. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, massively. I mean, I mean, just touching on you've mentioned Denise a couple of times. There. I mean, she's she's obviously gone on to be the CEO now, but she she did some great work. She did she oh. heavily backed this as well, didn't she? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just the, the community, the community as a whole. Like, yeah. you, you hear how how um, passionate she speaks about the community and stuff like that, and she, you know, she's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and still, you know, I know she's got. Um, you know she's now the, the 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 CEO of the club and and she's a very very busy lady. But there'll be there'll be sometimes where she'll probably you mm-hmm. know dip in and out of the community and see how it's doing and um, and she's like she's so approachable it's unreal. Like you can just I don't know yeah just go up and just have a conversation with her mm. and um, I don't know if people like go oh you know because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like oh that's the CEO or whatever. But you know to me she's just Denise that. Um, that is just a, a lovely person and, and nice to speak to, and she's and she's as well, you know, with like some, um, especially in the, in the military. I'm, I'm talking about the military here, with some of the some of the people you can be speaking to them, and it's not going in, or or you have like meetings with someone and you're just like trying to, and it's not going. But with her, she's like boom, she's like you know, eye contact is there, and you know everything you're saying. She is listening to every single word. And it's so good to have a leader like that. And obviously, we've got our own CEO, which is Richard Kenyon. Yeah, I know Richard. He's a good guy. Yeah, who again, guy. you know, is is sort of <coughs> is sort of journey speaks for itself, doesn't it? And um, again, very very passionate man, and you know, a great leader to have. And we've got we've got amazing leaders in this community like um, that want to take it, you know, take it to the next level. And hopefully, with the with the stuff that could happen if the stadium if the stadium moves and everything like that um, at, at Goodison that could be our you know our new that could be our new home you know if everything was to if everything was to sort of work out so um, the, the future the future looks bright but again you've always you've always got that finger funding making sure funding's there all the time so you know I know I work hard behind the scenes to make sure the funding's there every every single year for the project and, and people obviously like my manager Johnny and my other boss Mike and we work very very hard to keep the to keep all the projects going in the community because they're so they're so um, so important and they're so important to look like for some of them they, they see this project as their you know as the brother or the sister because they, they, they love it that much and um, as you, you you know you were saying before about the um the sense of belonging mm. and that's the bit that's the biggest thing that sense of belonging is to have something to get out to get up but even just get out of bed mm. and you know I one of the lads this morning picked one of the lads up and he goes he, he, had, he had a bit of a rough journey over Christmas and he just went he went look I've had a I've had a shave and everything and I'm coming down to, I'm coming yeah. down to the project mm. That that's how I know I'm back and mm. like you know that it, for me that. for me yeah. that that's just you know, priceless. it is. Yeah, it is priceless. It is priceless, and and it doesn't cost anything. Well, obviously it costs stuff because you know you've got to buy the brekkie and and what have you. But you know the lads do their bit. They throw the money in the pot and stuff. But that'll go. That say that money will go towards that money will go towards Krakow. Um, so I think we're about we've got about five hundred and seven pound or something at the moment. So 
we're getting there. <laughs> just you, just for, in terms of the future, then. I mean, we've seen we've all seen the drawings, obviously, for potential what's going to happen to Goodison with regards to mental health and space and everything else. I mean, that looks fantastic, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. that. I mean, what a legacy to leave behind as well. Do you know what I mean? It's um, huge. It's huge. You know, such an iconic. We all obviously absolutely love Goodison, but I mean. I've seen the drawings got released in there the other day. It looks, it looks incredible, doesn't it? And and this is the thing. It's all, and that's like you know, that's just as important as the stadium. Of course, yeah, of course. The legacy that 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 yeah. the, that the club is going to leave behind, and and I know our neighbourhood team, Sarah Everton and Sean Melia, who are working with like the the sort of the inside team at the club and stuff like that, working very very hard to working with the um, with the. Um, you know, locals, if you like, you know, the people of L4 to um, you know, what they would like and, you know, all the all the surveys and everything like that. So it's not just like, oh we're gonna do this and you've got you haven't got a say in it. Mm. You know, the, the, everybody's gonna have a say in it. And uh, I think we've done everything like perfect, you know, with the consultation and everything like that as well. Um and that's gone from, you know, club level all the way down to community to community level who's helped with that. So um, but yeah, it's, it's gonna a look amazing, and what a time! Like for me as a staff member, what a time to be involved uh, with the with the charity because we could go on to like the sort of if if there even is a next level, I don't even know if there is a yeah, next level yeah, for the yeah, charity. Yeah. But um, you know, things can only get, things can only get better, can't they? Um, mm. And yeah, I just think it's just oh, amazing time to be at the club. Amazing time. Just wanted to finish on. Um, be remiss of us not to talk about. Obviously, you're a big blue that comes across, and you mentioned Carlo a couple of times. You met him. What's your thoughts on the on the club right now and the, way, the direction we're going? After we all think, obviously, the club's really in good hands yeah. at the minute, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? In terms yeah. of obviously Carlo coming in, Mike, you mentioned before about the Brands documentary recently that's yeah, come out. He's obviously a great guy. It seems to be going all in the right direction at the minute. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Well, for me, like I'm a. I'm more of a family man than a football man. So yeah. I do. So I support Everton, and I, you know, I go to the game and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, I don't get to the game as uh, as much as I'd like because uh, you know I've got I've got a, a young family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a little girl and stuff. Um, but like what from what I can see when I watch it and stuff like that, it's, it's just amazing. You know, it looks like it's going in the right way, right direction. You know, you've got like that caliber of a man, Carlo Ancelotti, who's like a legend, isn't he? It's an absolute yeah. legend. We were talking about like. Yeah. His presence and when he's around you and stuff like that's just uh, just amazing. But I think I think you can just see it in the lads, especially the younger lads, um, you know, like Mason, Tom, yeah, uh, Calvert Lewin, uh, just to be about it. They just look like they're enjoying themselves, but as well as yeah, you know, their heads in the right place as well. Do you know what I mean? And just seeing them at that like community showcase. And but uh, yeah, you've seen Mason Holgate's picture itself, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. little animal at the moment, he isn't is, he? Yeah, top player. Yeah, he's really he gone on to another level. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think um, probably done him well to go to with West Brom. Actually, yeah. 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 came right back, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, but he was playing. He, but he was consistently playing, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's what he was missing. From when he was here the first time, wasn't he? Well, before he went out on loan, he wasn't getting consistent yeah. games. But now, or have married team? Which when he's out of the team, it's like, yeah. where's Olgate? You know, where's Olgate? Well, those three lads you mentioned there are credit to the club, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Three young lads that are getting a game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And have all, you know, they've all gone on to another level. Um, certainly, certainly Mason and, and Don yeah. obviously really haven't they but you, you get access to a bit of this so you get to see the happy camp and the Carlo at the minute you can see the difference I, well th- this is just from obviously stuff when we've done the showcase and stuff mm, like that yeah. and then we've done like the, the Prince William visit where 
you know, Dom Carver-Lewin and Tom, and they're they're like that anyway. But you're just seeing—I don't know—you're just seeing something different in them. Yeah. And I think you know from what everybody's seeing when when Duncan had that sort of four games, mm. you're seeing a change in Carver-Lewin, mm, and yeah. it was like, yeah, oh, wasn't it? It was like instantly yeah, that yeah. he just went, "Oh my God, where's he come from?" Mm. Yeah. And just you've got him playing in his, his sort of right position now, haven't you? You know, in the box. Mm-hmm. You've always seen him, didn't you? He was. He was and now he's sort of in the box attack and he attacks everything and that's that's all you can ask can't you mm. and he's scoring goals yeah. <laughs> which is which is what you want to do but no I, I, I'm I'm sort of you know we've had you know we've had highs and lows as Everton fans and stuff like that but I'm loving being an Everton fan yeah. um, and that's from the sort of the old and bold like Leighton Baines I still come on and put a shift in mm. to um, to you know the, the younger lads who were obviously putting a shift in every week as well I think, I think so we've they, been optimistic being an Everton fan. I think, I think the, the, the future is bright, sort of yeah. on and off the off the pitch. Whether that be with the the team, the club, everyone in the community, going from strength to strength, it's, it's so important that it continues to happen on both levels. Yeah. And Dave has been an absolute pleasure to speak yeah, to today. Yeah. Well, thank really you very much. Sort of a waffle. Yeah, <laughs> no, really, really, really great story. And thanks everyone for for listening today. And we will be back with the uh, usual Unholy Trinity podcast post-Arsenal. So we'll catch you then. For Everton fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Everton videos and podcasts, download the Toffees app for free now on the App Store and Google Play. Sports Social Podcast Network.